The moment you realized you were mistaking your kids for co-workers? Okay, team, I'm uh, taking my 15 now. Taking 15 what? Was the moment you knew it was time to get back to work. Let's job it up. At CareerBuilder, our simple, customizable search tool lets you search for part-time, full-time, and even work-from-home jobs so you can find a job that fits your lifestyle. Get started now at CareerBuilder.com. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not subject us to the final test. And then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend to whom he goes at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey, and I have nothing to offer him. And he says in reply from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked. My children and I are already in bed. I cannot give, get up to give you anything. I tell you, if he does not get up to give the visitor the loaves because of their friendship, he will get, give up whatever he needs because of his persistence. And I tell you, ask and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you would hand your son a snake when he asks for a fish, or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then, who are wicked, know how to give your good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so I'm going to the Holy Land in September with a nice group of people from Naples, Florida, and I already have sharpened my skills at bargaining, at haggling, as they say, because you got to go to the bazaar and they offer you a price on something, you got to go half and then you go back and forth. Not unusual. It's an ancient Semitic cultural process that Abraham was going through with God. Now, you got to realize the, the, the scriptures are not written on the scene at the moment. The scriptures are written later, and of, of course, the, the books of the Bible, most of them were written under the auspices of Solomon when the temple was built, so a thousand BC. But the scriptures go on later and earlier than that. So the author uses sociological methods to convey the relationship that we, the author on our behalf, should have with God. 
and he starts the haggling thing. Will you spare the city if there are 50 good? Yeah, I'll spare. Uh, how about 45? Yeah, I'll spare it if there's 45. And 30 and 20, blah, 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 and goes right down. So I, I, I'm sharpening my skills to get the best prices in the bazaars, in the Holy Land, as, as I can get. But using Abraham as a role model in this case. Now, it's a little annoying as to what was going on. Abraham talks to God. Now, that's no incident that should not be given a great deal of attention. Abraham is talking to God, the creator of the universe. Wasn't there, don't know how it happened. Was it in his head? Was it an inspiration? Did he have a vision? I don't know. But God was determined to destroy Sodom because of the many bad people there. And Abraham says, eh, there might be 50 good. Okay, if it's 50, if you find 50, I'll let it go. 40, 30, and right down to 10. And the 10 that is settled on, again, another uh, Jewish uh, number, 10 is a minion, okay? And in temple on weekends, on Saturdays, people don't pray unless there's a minion, unless there's 10. That's the minimum number of people to pray. And thank God on masses during the week, we have far more than 10, but it's wonderful. But that concept, again, is woven into the scriptures. So you have a, a religious and sociological reason for the 10 based on the relationship between God and Abraham. But the focus of that particular scripture is the familiarity that the author of Genesis is giving us, the familiarity that he has with God. That's going to be a key in the next, cent next generation when Jesus is asked the question, we see Jesus praying over there, the apostles, the 12 of them, and they see Jesus praying. What is he doing? Is he reading something? There's no book, there's no scripture, there's no scroll. What's he doing? Jesus, teach us to pray. You know how you do it when you go to, to the mountainside, or you go to the temple? Teach us to pray because we want access to God as you do. We want, okay, let me put it this way. We want access to the, the creator. We want access to he who created everything, the God Almighty, Adonai, the mountain God, all the gods, all the names that we have, God who gave the, the, the covenant to Abraham, uh, to, to Abraham and in the blood of Isaac, avoiding the blood of Isaac, gave the covenant to Moses, the, the Ten Commandments. Teach us to pray to that God, that powerful, wonderful awesome God. And he says, and when you pray to God, this creator, this wonderful, awesome God, you say, hi, daddy, Abba. Just think of that. Some of you brought little kids in church today. As those kids call you daddy, I'm just talking to the fathers now. As those kids call you daddy, and you play with them and hoist them up and pick them up and put them on your shoulders and do all sorts of daddy-like things with them. God is our daddy. Jesus is saying, I want to give you access to my own father. And get things straight, he is God. So you say, daddy, hallowed be your name. You are awesome. But we already know that. Little kids look up to their fathers. You, whoa, you're awesome. They don't say it necessarily, but they certainly act. And maybe you get it on Father's Day and Christmas. But the kids look at their fathers and say, hey, you are awesome. And those of us who are adults, remember the stories that you had with your fathers, how awesome they were. Maybe they weren't always nice, you know, discipline. 
as my father would say, but, but they were awesome. So Jesus says, I want you to call my daddy, daddy in heaven, you are awesome. Okay, we say it in, in old English words, hallowed be your name. Who knows that? My, my niece was in um, summer camp for religious uh, Bible study camp a few years ago when she was small. And she comes home and she says, Uncle Louie, why do they have to say that whole prayer? Why don't they say, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Amen. Instead of our Father, how, I don't know what hallowed means, she said. What, he said, the teacher said it means really special. So say, what am I saying? God, you're special, amen. That's enough, actually. That is enough. But we're not going to go according to Sophia. We're going according to Jesus. And we go with the relationship that Jesus is trying to share with us and basically say, hey, look, listen to, I, listen to how I speak to my Father. So when you see me over there in prayer silently, I'm saying, Daddy in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're so holy. You're so awesome. You're with me. Thank you. And then the continuation. Now, forgive me my sins. Don't forget, this is Luke's gospel. Matthew changes it. Matthew's gospel, we use the Lord's prayer as we use it here at church. And, and we say the rosary. Luke's gospel is a little, little focused on love and, and, and uh, relationship. But that's Luke. So he, as he remembered it, as it came down to him verbally, through oral tradition, he puts it down as he remembers it. But characteristics of Luke, Luke is the gospel of love. Luke is the gospel of women. Luke is the gospel of the poor. So when Luke is remembering or gathering from his oral traditions, what did Jesus say? How did, how did he tell his apostles to pray? He puts it into words that make sense to him. He calls him a loving father, an Abba, a daddy, and yes, forgive us our sins because we've already forgiven debts that people have against us. So the presumption of love, the presumption of relationship, the presumption of kindness. Don't you pray to God if you're an animal, and I don't mean a four-legged animal. Don't you pray to God to win a lottery or get healed or anything if you haven't, look, I'm putting the finger this way, let me go this way. If we haven't been kind to one another. Don't forget, it's not my God in heaven. This is Jesus sharing somebody with us. He didn't share my God. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to give you access to my father. And just you call him, hey, sir, hey, my father, hey, father of Jesus. You call him our father. So the person next to you has access and the person next to you has access. And we all have access to the father because he is our father. Prayer is our connection to God. You can bargain with God, you can deal with him, you can yell at him, you can cry with him, you can laugh with him. That's what, that's what God is for us, as revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Someone we have total access to, someone who listens to us. Go to God with anything you have. You got a pain, you got a pain neck husband or wife, you got a pain neck kid, you got a pain here or pain there. Go to God with, he knows it already, but go to him anyway. Because doing that gives us the grace. As we think of somebody else, not to change, usually it's ourselves that have to change, but that's another story. We go to God with anything, he already knows what we need. But he likes to hear it from us. 
He likes to hear how humble we are to come before him and say, hey, I got a tough week ahead of me. Help me. Give me the strength. Because as we're doing that, praying, we're asking God to give us the grace to go through the week in this example, but we're also asking God for the realization that he's with me. To remind myself Monday to Sunday, he's with me. So what comes out of my mouth, the attitude that comes out of my personality, the words that I recite in the car when things are not so easy, or in the, in the parking lot, or in the mall, or in the store, he's with us. And you almost want to say, like, if we're going to a, and we're going to a nasty streak, you almost want to hope that God is saying, I hear you. And he does. So before we pray, we've got to make sure we've cleaned the slate with our sisters and brothers, our family and friends, our parents, our, our, our spouses. And when I say things like that, I always think, those of you who are real pains in the neck, get your act together. Because why should your husbands, your wives, or your children, or your parents put up with you and your dysfunctional behaviors. Jesus never said that. Jesus never said, oh, we'll fix everything. He said, knock, and I'll hear you. Ask, and I'll respond. But we've got to do it too. We've got to activate what we're praying for. So I'm going to go back to not only the prayers, but those who are the intentions of our prayers. If you're a nasty person, you got a psychological problem or you got a personality disorder, go, go to a therapist. Not even your priest, go to a therapist. If you're just a grumpy old person, I don't care if you're 12 or, or 50 or, or 90, look inside and ask the Lord to give me the strength to be positive, to be actively positive, to accept the grace that, that I get just by praying to you. And now we go back to the prayers, the rest of us, because none of us are bad, right? None of us are pain in the necks. We're all good. Not really, but that's all right. God knows us. God knows every thought in your head, the good ones and the bad ones. I'm sorry, he does. And that's the familiarity with God, because he's not out there. The Holy Spirit is here within us. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the grace to say Abba, to say God, to say Jesus, the Holy Spirit gives us the grace to act on the intentions of prayer. And what's the intention of prayer? Being one with God. Fifteen minutes could save you 15% or more. Wait a minute. I've heard that before. That's the note Jeremy wrote to me in my yearbook in the sixth grade. How'd you even know that? Because it's from Geico. Yeah, yeah wait, here it is. Dear Luke, have a great summer. P.S. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Love, Jeremy. Geico's had this tagline for years because we help save people money. So wait, you're saying Jeremy copied you? <laughs> yeah, that actually does sound like something the J-Man would do. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should, too. 
University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too, and with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus, made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students, including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV.